Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You got a Wednesday edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You got your Mac and Mac guys back together. That's a good thing. John McMullen back safe and sound from Dallas, despite not getting in until uh, late night last night. Hey, J Mac, you get enough sleep for tonight's show? Um, no, probably not. But I, I have confidence in Jody McDonald. You will carry me, uh, much like uh, back in the day, Darius Slay had to carry Dak Prescott up a hill at Southern Miss. Told us that story last week. Didn't work out well. Uh, trying to carry the Eagles' defense, but yeah, you got to carry me, and I'm a little too heavy, so that's going to well, be. I was going to say, it's gonna yeah, be, it's going to be rough. I got a bit you. of a bad back myself. Yeah. This it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. This could be a crash and burn, yeah. so you might want to stay tuned for the next two hours here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right, we're now more than 24 hours <clears> removed <throat> from the beatdown that was this week's Cowboy Eagles game. Uh, we've had that much more time to stir in our juices and lick our wounds. Any less painful at this point, Johnny Max? Well, you know me. It's not painful for me. I got to go on anyway. I got to march on, Jody. Nothing changes for me, win or lose, other than probably people are a little bit more difficult to deal with as we get down there and, you know, a week after a loss. Back to practice. Big day today. Nick Sirianni talks uh, 1230-ish. Jonathan Gannon will also talk. And those are the two guys who got out coached mainly. Uh, And and a lot of people, you know, Mike McCarthy's not the most well-regarded guy in the world these days, uh, especially with the younger set in the NFL who thinks the Sean McVay's of the world are the template that should be head coaches. Uh, in this league, I got to tell you, Jody, the old guy who's supposed to not have it anymore, he, he ramped up a, a pretty good 97 mile an hour fastball, ran it right by Nick Sirianni. Yes, I will give McCarthy credit for absolutely winning the coaching matchup, hands down. You mentioned McVeigh, though. I, I did not know this stat. And I, if I heard it once, I heard it three or four times during the weekend. Did not know it was the case. McVeigh, since he's gotten to the Rams, is 40 and 0 in games that he led at halftime. So when the Rams jogged off the field with their halftime lead against Tampa Bay, they had a pretty good trend going their way and made it stand up with their win over uh, Brady and the Bucks on Sunday. They never blow a halftime lead. That is yeah, a pretty that... good statement about a coach and his abilities. If you believe there is in-game coaching and uh, things you can do to answer first half uh, happenings on the field, that's pretty damn impressive as far as adjustments go. If you're 40 and 0 with a halftime lead, yeah, I I did not know that stat until you just jumped it there. My really? guess is when the Rams are playing well, my guess just off the top of my head, when they're playing well, they're generally playing well offensively. Um, so a lot of those leads are probably pretty significant. 
the guy's been a good coach. I'm not saying. I mean, this is his fifth year, I think, and he's won in double digits, I think, maybe one year he's nine and seven. So he's always been over 500, uh, always getting near double digits, always having that team in the playoffs conversation. So, look, he's been a very successful coach, went to the Super Bowl, got embarrassed in that Super Bowl by the veteran coach who might know a thing or two. But nonetheless, you know, he has – I only bring him up because he's become the template. When you talk to people in this league, they're always looking for the next Sean McVay type. Sean, you know, that's why Matt Nagy's there. That's why Nick Sirianni's here. Same type of, of, of offensive mentality, young guy, energetic guy, all that kind of stuff. You know, Ted Rath, Sean McVay's get back coach back in the day. He's in Philadelphia. Everybody wants Sean McVay. Everybody wants, oh, he had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay. Let's talk to him. Let's interview him. That's the way the league thinks. You know, a, a good coach is a good coach. And, and and they come in many different shapes and sizes, many different backgrounds. But I do point I, – I tend – you know, you got one of them coming in this week. He's pretty good. Um, and it looks like Andy's all right. He's going to have a conference call with us today, so that's all positive. But Andy's a pretty good coach. Bill Belichick's a pretty good coach. Pete Carroll's a pretty good coach. Bruce Arians is a pretty good coach. I think experience matters in this league, and you kind of saw it on Monday night. Um, Mike McCarthy isn't those guys, but he was good enough to to out-scheme Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon. Clean the Eagles clock is exactly what the Cowboys did. Um, and you're right. Uh, when, when Belichick started ripping off his Super Bowls, everybody wanted the next Bill Belichick. Well, guess what? There's only one Bill Belichick, and – uh, if you're going to continue to try and hit to find the next one, you may end up wasting decades to try and find that perfect coach. And I'll say that about McVay, too, uh, with a kind of stat like that, 40 and 0. Oh, my God. Um, and we'll see what he does this year. People are saying that the Rams could be the team to beat. Shoot, if you like Tampa and thought that they were going back to the Super Bowl, the Rams just beat them and beat them fair and square in their house this past weekend. And maybe there's just one Sean McVay. So you got to be careful when you're making that decision with which way you're going to go with the coaches. I do have Jonathan Gannon questions for you because uh, you took a good, strong stance last week. You didn't make a, a definitive statement, but some serious concern from John McMullen that the coach seemed a little too touchy feely last week that he seemed like a guy who could be ready to topple, that he was very introverted and uh, deciding on whether he was or wasn't up to speed to be able to coach an NFL team at this time with his media br uh, briefings. And if he's saying that to you guys and all of Eagle Nation, what the hell is he saying to himself behind the uh, curtain when he's not in front of a Zoom camera is he questioning himself? Is he wondering about himself? Is he putting too much pressure on himself? I, in listening to all of uh, the the media things that he's done, I I think you were well within your rights to do that, John, and, and question whether this guy is ready for the challenge of being an NFL head coach in a town like Philadelphia. And that was before the Cowboys put the beat down <laughs> on him this week. And what kind of Nick Sirianni are we going to get at the media availability today? 
I think we're going to get one that has turned the page and, and knows and understands how some people took what he said last week. And I'm one of them. I admit it. You know, I, I said at the time it was speculation. It was I, I just took it as, you know, all right, if you're asking yourself and, and I brought up the old Saturday Night Live character, Stuart Smalley, the self-affirmation. If you have to do that to yourself in public, what are you, what are you doing behind the scenes? Right. And then I take it further. That was before the game. Then I take it further into the game, Jody McCown. The, the biggest stat in that game that still blows my mind, still blows my mind, is in, in all the Eagles' offensive plays, and there weren't a lot of them. They were only because they couldn't stay on the field, but whatever it was, 52, 53, somewhere in that range, um, not one pre-snap motion not one so i start to think to myself well this guy's supposed to be the new age this guy's supposed to be a sean mcbay type this guy's supposed to be scheming people open this guy's supposed to uh, uh with the eyewash and the manufacturer touches and the bubble screens and everything in the orbit motion everything close to the line of scrimmage and i say what the hell is going on with this and then I take it a step further and I say, the penalties. Is he shook by the penalties? The pre-snap penalty. This team leads the NFL in penalties. They set a franchise record in the first three games for penalties. Uh, and he had mentioned, look, the dumb plays. I'm not talking about the Derek Barnett plays, the dumb personal fouls, that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the pre-snap stuff, yep. the false starts. Uh, the offsides, which could bring back Derek Barnett back in the conversation. But nonetheless, is he trying to make things so simple for these guys because he's not confident that he has them uh, uh, prepared to do? That's not a good sign. <laughs> that That's not a good sign if you're scaling back your offense to that degree in week number three. A lot of there's eh, there's a lot to be concerned about. Two things jumped out to me, and you beat me to one of them. I was going to say exactly that. Prior to the game on Sunday, the Eagles were the most penalized team in the National Football League. After the game, they are far and away the most penalized team, and that's with a scaled-back offense, a non-motion offense. That does not bode well, so maybe he was actually on to something. And, of course, the other one was they're on the road in front of close to 100,000 people in Dallas where, you know, the other team is going to be screaming. And, oh, by the way, you've got a quarterback in his seventh start in the league. You've got three wide receivers, uh, one of which is a rookie, two of which are second-year players who aren't as ingrained in just existing in the NFL in uh, uh, hostile uh, stadiums against teams that are going to bring it as far as noise level goes. Shoot, even Miles Sanders is a relatively young back, and Kenny Gainwell, who's playing almost as much as Sanders, is in his third professional game. You add all those things up, and I think the coach fell on the side of caution and said, All right, we got to simplify it a little bit this week. Now, you got Kansas City coming into your house on Sunday. At least it's your house, and the crowd won't be attempting to make it difficult on you by screaming their lungs out when they have the ball. The problem is the team that's coming in is pretty damn talented. Uh, so uh, you got to be able to uh, react to that. And oh, by the way, all those guys you were worried about lacking in experience have one more game experience, not a good experience down in Dallas, but one more game of experience. 
maybe he was just running a little scared. And we have to hope that Nick Sirianni is bright enough that he's already watched all the game film. He see how badly he, they played, and he says to himself, "Well, I just can't do that anymore. I we got to pull our big boy pants on, and we've got to play like we believe we can win any National Football League game, and we have to give it our best shot and not run scared." Because yeah, if you ask me, what I think, how. You go to a game without without any plays with a player in motion. Yeah, I think they're running scared. Yeah, I think running scared is a good way to put it. I I go back to another and earlier uh, Nick Sirianni press conference when he did the slam of the podium for the first time, and he was talking about Frank Reich and Frank Reich is issues when he first got the head coaching job in Indianapolis. They started, I think it was zero and three, might have been zero and four. And if you remember, Nick Sirianni was explaining, you know, everybody's looking at the head coach. Everybody was looking at Frank Reich and said, oh, okay, what now? What now? What are we going to do now? The panic is setting in. And he slammed the podium and he said, we're doubling down. If you remember that, we're doubling down. You believe in your core values. Guess what, Jody? We're in week three. You're only one and one coming in. You already got to win. You're in week three coming into this game. And you're already scaling back because you're scared. That's not a good sign. If that's the truth, you know, I I think you were talking about in-game adjustments with Sean McVay. This is just my opinion. The best coaches in this league are about preparation, not in-game stuff. Look, in-game stuff's important. I'm not saying that. It's very important. I think you see a coach over the last two weeks, when he gets in-game, he loses his focus. I think that's the biggest problem. He goes away, I think, from his game plan too quickly. I don't think he went into that game saying, I'm not going to motion at all. Maybe it was scaled back. I just think he forgets things. I'm going to be honest with you. I think he gets off script. Same thing as Arthur Smith, another rookie head coach, in week one. Remember how impressive Atlanta was early in that game? He just got off book and forgot stuff. Forgot what was successful. I think that's where we are with Nick Sirianni. I really do. And you're going to see the one thing Andy Reid is known for is preparation. And his guys are ready to play. Now, you can criticize Andy, and many people have, for time management over the years and that in-game stuff. But more often than not, and, and the old buy stat that's still going on today, that's when you can really see with Andy Reid teams coming off buys when they have that extra time to prepare. Phenomenal. The, the great coaches are prep coaches. Work gets done before game day. I, I, they haven't looked prepared over the last two weeks. I, I think, think that's fair to say. I think that's very fair to say. Um, let me ask you a question about the machinations of play calling for the Philadelphia Eagles, because this kind of jumped out at me, and I went back and rewatched it. I taped the game, I watched the game live, and then yesterday I did go back and double-check a couple of things that I just wanted to make sure I was referencing and were analyzing correctly for our show here on Birds 365. And this was, I want to say, shoot, I should have written the time down, um, mid-third quarter, somewhere thereabouts. It was definitely second half. Um, Eagles ran a play, ineffective play. I don't even remember what it was. Um, and the regular broadcast, I didn't watch a lot of the Manning stuff. I know you don't even have a chance to because you're at the stadium, so you haven't had the chance to delve into that. I've turned it on. It's fun. 
it's goofy. They're like just two guys sitting around watching a game and they get some big name individual to come in as a guest, which I don't need. I'm watching a game to watch the game. Yeah. I want to know about the information. I don't need to be entertained while Monday night football is on. The football game itself is entertaining enough for me. All right. There's my commentary on Monday night. So I watched uh, the, the regular ESPN broadcast. After the play, incomplete pass, whatever it was, the ball went to the ground. They went to a really quick shot of Nick Sirianni. And he was standing on the sidelines. And then he started to move. And he went one way. And he turned around. He came back another. And they had an ISO shot on him for about 20 seconds. And it's, and you watched Shane Steichen walk by him on the sideline. And you never saw him say anything. And he's supposed to be the play caller. And he wasn't saying anything into his headsets. He didn't have his play chart in front of his face or anything. He was just kind of nervously walking on the sidelines. And I said, damn, he must have called a quick play after that. Because I never saw him speak into the headsets. But I saw, saw Shane Steichen talking to whoever he was talking to. I'm assuming it's a quarterback because we're told the coach makes the call. He gets it to Steichen and then Steichen gets it to the quarterback. Are there plays where he doesn't even bother and just allow Shane Steichen to make the calls to the quarterback? Well, uh, I I will say this. This is one of the great things, maybe the only great thing about the XFL, when they had the the mics on the coaches and you got to see actual play calling. Uh, coaches hated it. They all hated it. Uh, but the league really took you inside what goes on in that situation. And I think it was how Mummy – um, was one of the play callers, and they were getting on the drive. I don't even remember the team he was coaching. I'll look it up in the break. And they were getting on the drive. They were moving the football a little bit, and it was bang, bang. It was, you know, they were having success, and, you know, very college-oriented uh, uh, type uh, offense, RPOs, things like that. And basically the play call, run it again. He was running the same play until the other team stopped it. Uh, I'm not saying that's what happened with Nick Sirianni. I don't know the circumstance. I certainly didn't see it. He might have called two plays in a row, uh, and they might have been on the second one. Could have been a number of different things. It could have been just that quick before the, the camera. I mean, this is not a complicated offense, Jody. When you take out the pre-snap motion, it gets even less complicated. So it's not going to take a lot of time if you got that call ready to go. And in your head, but nobody else is calling the plays. I can tell you that. And we've had that discussion. I don't know if that's a good way to go either, uh, but it's way too early to go down that road. That's just the life and reality of the NFL. Um, but nobody else is calling the plays. I can say that. Yeah, I was just surprised by it. I, I say he can't have already backed off calling the plays and he's leaning on Steichen to start to call plays because uh, they were trailing uh, pretty badly. It was probably two scores at the time, probably 13 points. They were down and it just uh, it caught my attention as I was watching again. You're probably right. There's probably an easy explanation. Uh, if somebody brings it up at today's media gathering, I, I will be intently listening to that. You mentioned that both Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon will talk to the assembled media today. We come back. I do want to talk a little bit about Gannon because Nick Sirianni got his butt kicked in the coaching matchup, much like the Eagles got their butt kicked on the field. Well, Jonathan Gannon got his butt kicked too. 
because the Eagle defense was shredded by the Dallas running game. It's the third game of the season. I know it's very early in the process for both of the Eagles, two key coaches. Uh, that, that was ugly all around, and defense was a part of it. Uh, if they didn't have Jason Hargraves, it could have been uh, the Cowboys might have put up a 50 spot on uh, Monday night against the Eagles. Do want to talk a little bit about Jonathan Gannon and the Eagles defense. Eagles made some moves. It's official on Isaac Sayamalo. He is unfortunately done for the season. We still got plenty to chop up. On Birds 365, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We're right back in just a couple. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Hump day, middle of the week. Short week, as a matter of fact. People got to turn around pretty quickly. After playing on Monday night, oh, and no bargain, the Kansas City Chiefs. 
coming to town. And J-Mac, as I mentioned before we went to break, wanted to talk a little bit about the Eagle defense. Oh, Patrick Mahomes is coming to town. Mm. That's good for the Eagle defense. They get to try and stop the toughest quarterback to stop in the National Football League. Yeah, not good. Um, Gannon's defense had been pretty damn impressive the first couple of weeks, John. We talked about it prior to the game. Points allowed, one at the top in the league. Yards allowed, one at the top in the league. Yeah, they didn't have a turnover yet, uh, but that was okay. Uh, they'd slowed down both of their uh, two op- opponent uh, quarterbacks the previous two weeks. Uh, Garoppolo didn't exactly tear him apart. He was what he is. He's a game manager, and he managed the 49ers to a uh, win. A couple of lengthy drives did bother me a little bit about the Eagles in week number two. And then was week three, where the Dallas Cowboys, you talk about the tale of two teams. The Eagles ran the ball, you can't even say ineffectively, because they didn't run the ball. One of the three (laughs) runs they had was like for 20 yards by Miles Sanders. You can't say ineffectively when you don't run the ball. Three handoffs for the entire game, as compared to the Dallas Cowboys, who basically, every time they ran the ball, got seven yards. They didn't break any 25, 30 yarders, but no one got stopped at the line of scrimmage. There no. were no tackles for loss. There was no. a hole. There was a uh, missed tackle, broken tackle. And before you knew it, the Cowboys were uh, second and two. Basically, every single drive, all they did was your guy against my guy, mano a mano. Let's block this up. Let's hand it to one of our two talented backs, and we'll get well ahead of the sticks by the time we get the second down. That's kind of an indictment of Jonathan Gannon's defense, J-Mac. Yeah, I don't know if it is other than I, I kind of look at it in a different way because I've been talking about these linebackers uh, for a long time and specifically Eric Wilson coming in here and it manifested itself in week three. So I kind of look at it as he kind of masked the deficiency for two weeks and then it showed up against a team that could take advantage of it. Remember a lot of teams don't even want to take advantage of the fact that the Eagles have no linebackers that can stop the run. Uh, And the ones they do have TJ Edwards uh, most notably, they don't have confidence to put them on the field in passing situations. So it's, it's a catch 22 Andy Reid this week. I don't think you have to worry about it as much. You should watch that film. If you're an opposing offensive head coach or an offensive coordinator, you should watch the Dallas Cowboys against the Eagles and say, okay, we're going to double Fletch. We're going to double Javon Hargrave. And then we're going to force the edge players and the linebackers to beat us and make tackles in the running game. Not a lot of NFL teams that do that. Maybe Baltimore, you know. San Francisco is one of those teams, and they did a really good job against San Francisco. I think the Brian DeGram injury affects that uh, because he was such a good uh, run defender as an edge player. But if you can get to that second level against the Eagles linebackers, they can't tackle anybody. And when they do, it's seven yards down the field. And, you know, I got that quote, and it was kind of harsh from Minnesota, from somebody in Minnesota who said Wilson was a a 20-point scorer on a bad NBA team, meaning he put up statistics. Uh, but it wasn't effective, uh, and you kind of saw it. I mean, that is not a traditional NFL 
middle linebacker. And if you're going to run the ball downhill against the Eagles and he's on the field, they're going to have some problems. Well, somebody has to be on the field. Somebody has to play linebacker. Uh, we all like Alex Singleton because he plays hard. He, he did not play like... well either, by the way. Right. Alex. I, I was going to, that's what the point I was trying to make uh, because he plays active and he tries to play fast, but he's not a, a just uh, win the point of attack, take a head on shot from a line uh, running back and drive him two yards backwards. That's not the kind of linebacker he is. He's the kind of guy who makes a play with his speed, running a guy down toward the sidelines. The Cowboys said, we'll stay between the two tackles, and we're just going to push you off the football. The Eagles don't have a Jeremiah Trotter on this team that's going to win at the point of attack. And few teams do. I mean, that's just the modern NFL. Those guys have become become sort of dinosaurs, the downhill linebackers, the – and if they are out there, like T.J. Edwards is more of that type, they're regarded as two down players at best, and you got to get them off the field quickly. At this point, I got to seriously think about playing T.J. Edwards more and and living with some of the other stuff, especially if I'm playing so much zone anyway. You know, Eric Wilson's strength as a player is bad. He's a really good pass coverage linebacker. But the Eagles are playing a lot of zone. So maybe that doesn't show up as, as much anyway. Um, and and that's how you would, in my opinion, if I'm going to play that much zone, I'm going to let T.J. Edwards play and at least have some kind of presence to stop the running game. Now, this week it probably doesn't matter because Kansas City doesn't want to run. So you can do what you want to do, but you got other issues to deal with. Well, I, I think that the Chiefs will run the ball at least some. It's not like – Well, they'll run, run it more than three times. I was going to say, it, it, I'm going to yeah. take but the over not... on matching up the Eagles' running performance this week with the Chiefs next week. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, except he does have that key fumble in a game they lost to the Ravens the week before. They're not going to do what the Cowboys did, is all I'm saying. They're not going to line up and go downhill. And just, they're not They're not going to do that. I, I would tend to doubt that. I agree with you there. Um one of the guys I got to ask about on the Eagles defense, and I think I know the answer already, but Ryan Kerrigan played 30 some odd snaps. Uh, he did not show up on the score sheet. He did not show up on my vision as far as being involved in any plays, getting a pressure on the quarterback, forcing someone to go wide on a run. He was basically non-existent. How bad is the thumb he's dealing with? We know he got hurt in the preseason and uh, got very limited action and looks like a guy who's just rounding into form. And, oh, by the way, very slowly rounding into form. Uh, I know both you and I, probably a little more so me than you, liked the Ryan Kerrigan signing, thought it was a very good job by Howie Roseman, acknowledged they needed depth out there. And I thought Kerrigan had a little something left in the tank coming into the season. I'm not writing him off, but I am pointing out that he's done zippity doodah for the Eagles in three games since the season started. Is he just uh, incapable of playing? Are they uh, rushing him just because they have a now desperate need at defensive end? Should he should he still be on IR because of that thumb? Because Johnny, he hadn't done anything for the Eagles since he got here in any game that counted. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the thumb is a bigger issue than it was made out to be. 
and Ryan talked to us last week before the game, and he said he can't, he still can't grab. And when you're using, uh, you, you need to grab your, you need to use your hands uh, when you're playing defensive line in the NFL. It's really a big part of it. So I do think the thumb injury is a bigger deal than people have let on, but he's a tough guy. He's going to play through it. I think this is a, a, a place where you can criticize Jonathan Gannon. Uh, I mean, Ryan Kerrigan's playing a lot of five technique as a defensive end, which if you think about five technique, that's typically what a three, four defensive end plays, not a three, four outside linebacker, a three, four defensive end where you're, you're sort of trying to occupy blockers so that the linebackers can make the plays. That ain't Ryan Kerrigan. That ain't Ryan Kerrigan at and, all. And, oh, by the way, you're setting the Eagle linebackers up to yes. make plays. And, oh, by the way, they're not making They're any not play. making a play. Exactly. So you have on two levels, you have Ryan Kerrigan being wasted as a five-neck technique and three-four pseudo looks. And you have linebackers who can't make plays anyway. Uh, Patrick Johnson, Gennard Avery, uh, who are, you know, Patrick Johnson started that game. I, 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 look, I, coaches have this mentality. If you're up, you're going to play and we need you to contribute next man up mentality. You also got to be realistic and say, all right, you know, maybe, maybe it's time. And I think I mentioned this yesterday on the show when, when you and Jeff were doing it is, you know, this is where I'll say Jonathan Gannon should take some of that Nick Sirianni advice and say, players, 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 you know, I'm putting Josh sweat out there because I don't have Brandon Graham. If I got to change my looks a little bit and I'm not going as much three, four, so be it. I don't have the personnel to do that. So I think that's the part where I would criticize uh, Jonathan Gannon. I think Ryan Kerrigan's hurt and he's playing out of position. And if you got a hurt guy playing out of position, you're not going to have a successful guy. That's what I think is going on there. All right. Then uh, if his snaps need to be cut, and I doubt they're going to put him on IR, uh, you tried to force feed him into the lineup for three weeks unless he's re-injured it and or uh, made it a worse injury than it is, he's going to continue to play. Uh, Milt Williams didn't open my eyes at all moving outside. We talked about that prior to the game. They drafted him as uh, to be the next Brandon Graham inside, outside, has that flexibility and the like. Well, he didn't look all that flexible to me. He did nothing outside. Where do they go to replace Brandon Graham? If Kerrigan isn't yet up to the task, and we don't know if he ever will get there or not, uh, is it just we're going to live with Milt Williams swinging outside? And because they drafted him because of the similarity to Brandon Graham, they're going to live with that? Uh, yeah, uh, that one, I agree with you, number one. He hasn't played well, um, but he is a rookie player, and at least he has, you know, the traits to develop as that kind of player. Certainly big enough to do it, certainly strong enough, certainly explosive enough. So I think that's just a young player's, you know, kind of feeling his way in the NFL especially in that run game. Um, yeah, he, he he definitely didn't play well, but I think he's not – you don't look at Milton Williams and say they're putting him out of position like you do with Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, he's capable of doing that from an athletic standpoint. Now you just get a 
got to get him up to speed as an NFL player. And that's easier said than done with all rookies. But when you look at those edge players and I was looking, you know, if you go, and again, we talk about pro football focus a lot, put it in context, you know, they have these, you know, their grades, you know, their grades, Jody, some make sense. Some don't, they, they always put a red light, a green light. Like if you're playing well, they always put you're a green light player, red light player, not playing well, obviously you're stopping. Um, so run defense specifically, run defense specifically, red light players, Eric Wilson, Alex Singleton, we talked about. Um, now at linebacker, those are red light players. On the defensive line, Milton Williams, awful. Teron Jackson, awful. Ryan Kerrigan, a little bit better. He's more in the yellowish. Really? Space. Yeah. Hassan he Ridgeway. did not. Uh, I, I rewatched the tape. I tried to zero in on him yesterday. No, he did he nothing other than, play. other than probably remember what they're grading. They're grading his responsibility. Remember, he's playing five technique. He's not supposed to make plays. He's supposed right. to open up things for others. So that's how they're kind of looking at it. But I'm, I'm just bringing it up to point out to you just how bad those edge players, and it's only one game without Brandon Graham. And, oh, by the way, how good Brandon Graham is at that. That was a big part of that game and that run. The fact that, that Brandon Graham, you don't have to worry about the edge with Brandon Graham. He's going to set the edge uh, as a run defender. And now – you got to worry about it and you got to worry about it big time. And if, if Brandon Graham is in that game, Jody, the Cowboys can't afford to go in and say, okay, these guys can't make plays. We're just going to double team Fletcher and Javon and we're going to run the football. They couldn't do that if Brandon was out there. That's how drastically things can change in this league. Right. But uh, I, in this particular game, and uh, I, I watched it and I rewatched it again yesterday. Two runs that actually got around the edge. Everything else was between the tackles. They just buried the Eagles at the point of attack. And I know how good Brandon. No, Bell I get is. it can, though. But you can shed a tackle and uh, shed a block and make a tackle. But in this particular game, setting the edge wasn't the problem. The fact that no, the Eagles got handled physically was the problem. Well, what what I'm saying, they did. But what I'm saying is it makes it easier. So you don't have to worry about the edge. So you don't have to worry about the edge as an offensive play caller. You're not concerned about Teron Jackson or Milton Williams at all. So you can say that we're going to force these guys to crash down and make a play between the tackles. We don't have to worry about them. We can double team the two really good defensive tackles and take them out of the situation knowing the edge players can't crash down, the linebackers can't tackle, and then all of a sudden you have the five, six, seven-yard game. So it all it, it, it all comes together. You're right. At the end of the day, they're going downhill up the middle, and then you could say, well, why isn't Pletcher doing something? People have said that because he doesn't have the statistics. You can't say it about Javon because Javon's been unbelievable. Um, but Fletch is getting double teamed. Watch the film. He's getting double teamed every stinking play. And that's, you know, 
losing Brandon Graham was a big part of that against the Cowboys. And it's not a coincidence that this team shut down the run in the first two weeks pretty significantly. And, and, and one of those teams, by the way, is a better rushing team than the Cowboys, and that's the 49ers. And then Brandon Graham goes out, and it all goes to hell. All right. Uh, a Howie Roseman-specific question for you. We've already touched on the fact that the Eagles are, for lack of a better word, wanting at the linebacker position. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Um, a pretty solid linebacker became available in the NFL yesterday. Jamie Collins was released by the Detroit Lions. Now, Collins is a 10-year veteran. He's a 32-year-old guy. He's not a game-changing linebacker anymore. Well, game-changing linebackers don't get released in season as Collins was. He was released yesterday by the Lions. Um, the Eagles could go one of three ways here. They could either put a claim in for Collins, who this year I think is three and change million dollars, like close to four. So with less than a fifth of the season gone by, you'd still owe him like $3 million for this year. He's got another year to go in his contract, but I guarantee you most of the money has already been accounted for because it's the last year of his contract. So if you didn't keep him for next year, you'd probably take a slight dead cap hit money, but not a lot. Um, you can get him this year for a reasonable about $3 million for the rest of the year. The Eagles have... I believe it's the second most money under the cap right now in the NFL. Amazing. It's amazing how that changes. Yeah. But yeah, we'll go back next year, Jody, and everybody will forget about it. Oh, the salary cap. Oh, can't do this. You can't do that. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> if you're good at it, you can create room. And that's one thing that Howie Roseman should get credit for. He he does create it. But then again, it's something that you need to continue to judge going forward. Because every time you make one of these moves, it's like checkbook journal. You, you, you just create issues further down the road. And at some point, you got to be able to pay the piper. Uh, but Howie has done a real good job balancing the uh, salary cap. I, uh, that, that's an overall thumbs up for the Eagles general manager. Jamie Collins is a better linebacker than the linebacker the Eagles have right now. He's not as good as he was two years ago or four years ago. But even this iteration of Jamie Collins is better than what they have right now. Do you want to use some of that cap space? It's not like Jeff Lurie's going to keep, oh, we could uh, move it forward to next year. Okay, fine. We don't know that they'll spend it correctly next year. Do they care about winning games the rest of this year, John? The Eagles could either claim him and then they'd know that they'd have to pay him this year and next. They could hope that no one claims him and then negotiate with him and probably cut an even better deal under the cap uh, for this year and no commitment for next year. And yes, they could tell him, listen, we'll plug you right in right away because we've got linebacker plays to be had here, Jamie, if you want to come play with us. Um, or they can just say, listen, what was the word that Jeff used? Transition? We're yeah, in a transition, transition year. We're not worried about, we're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this week anyway. Um, yeah, no, Jamie Collins doesn't factor in to the future of the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll take a big time pass. If you were in Howie's seat, how would you handle Jamie Collins becoming available on the open market? Well, if I'm in Howie's seat, I don't even 
that's one I don't even have the conversation with. I mean, he's just not a fit for this team. Um, now, I value linebackers more than they do, so that would change the thinking. But if you're putting me after, in Howie after Rich, After this week's game, shouldn't the Eagles reevaluate themselves and how they evaluate linebackers? They're not going to. Uh, for the reason I talked about, well, a couple things. I, I just want to make it clear. You can't, Jamie Collins is a vested veteran. He's he's not on waiver, so he's already on a free agent. He's a free agent. You can't claim him. Um, after the trade deadline, uh, which is usually around Halloween, I think it's early November this year, um, then veterans have to go on waivers. So that short period, they try to ramp up the trade deadline and they try to make it a bit of a penalty. Then veterans go on waivers. But until November, early November, if you're a vested veteran, you're cut during the season, you're released, you're automatically a free agent. You don't have to go through uh, the waiver wire process. But as far as the Eagles and their value, the, here's the reason – and I get their thinking. I just don't agree with it. I mean, look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is the perfect example because they're the Super Bowl champions. They had two playmaking linebackers that were a big, 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 big part of their Super Bowl run last year. Um, so linebackers matter. They are a different type of linebacker, though. It isn't Dick Butkus. It isn't Ray Nishke. It isn't uh, Jeremiah Trotter, even. It isn't those big downhill guys. It's the athletic ones. You saw you saw it in Dallas with Jalen Smith. Now, he uh, he's had some injury concerns. They used him to spot Jalen Hurts. Leighton Vander Esch has had some injury concerns. And now they've got Micah Parson, who has had to play edge rusher, but is going to be a linebacker ultimately. Uh, they obviously value the position a little bit more than the Eagles. Devin White, Levante David, on and on and on. Darius Leonard, uh, Eric Kendricks, Bobby Wagner. These are the best linebackers in the NFL. They all have something in common. They aren't Dick Buckus. They aren't those downhill guys. They're the guys who can do everything. They're the guys who can run from sideline to sideline, athleticism, coverage, and at least be respectable in the run game. That's what you want. That's the part the Eagles can't get. They can't get linebackers that are even respectable in the run game. And if they do, T.J. Edwards, they can't cover anybody. So they haven't been able to um, to toe that line, Jody. And the reason why is, like any other position, I mean, if, if you have top 10 first-round athleticism, Devin White-type ability, you're going to go high in the draft. And that's where the Eagles don't value the position. The The highest, you know, pedigreed player on this team is Davion Taylor, can't stay on the field. And I, by the way, I think that's a disappointment because I think he'd probably be a starting linebacker here right. if he got if, if he was healthy. He was. That's the way they were gearing at the beginning of training camp. It seems so long ago. They were throwing him in the deep end of the pool, which, if you remember, I advocated that. I said, that's the kind of linebacker they want. Let's throw him out there and see if he can do it. To their credit, they tried to. The guy just can't stay on the field. Um, but 
you know, everybody else, undrafted free agent, undrafted free agent, undrafted free agent. You got Sean Bradley, who's a six-round pick. Uh, I mean, you got to put some kind of substance into that position when it comes to valuing it. And they just don't. They just don't. So you think uh, picking Jamie Collins off the scrap heap is a bad idea? Just a No, well, I, I think idea. it's a bad idea because of the transition. He's 32. He's done. He's near the end. He's not going to have – I'm not worried about beating the Kansas City Chiefs. And by the way, if he came in this week, he couldn't help you that quickly anyway. Um, I, I'm not worried about winning games this year. As you know, I've said, what what is this season about? This season to me is figuring about figuring out what you have in the quarterback and to a lesser degree, the head coach. Everything else is secondary. Let me let me play devil's advocate against you here, John. And it's you and uh Howie Roseman and the entire organization. It's citing Jamie Collins. Whose playing time are you taking away? Who are you not allowing to develop at the linebacker position? Because Jamie Collins is going to be out there, may potentially help them win some games. And yeah, they're one and two, unless you want to tell me, well, Dallas crushed us. We can't compete with them. So we're not going to win the division. We're not going to get a wild card in a tough NFC. So we really don't care how many games we win this year. They're not mathematically eliminated yet at one and two. Who is Jamie Collins taking reps from that the Eagles are losing out on at linebacker if Collins is playing? Well, I don't think they're losing out as much as there are some young players. If Avion ever gets back, <clears throat> you know, you do want to see him play, I assume. They want to see him play if he can ever stay on the field. Um, you know, Alex is still young and very cost-effective. TJ is still young and very cost-effective. Remember, even a veteran minimum salary is much more than those guys make. Jamie's been around forever. Uh, that part of it doesn't make sense. And, you know, maybe you hit on one of these guys. There are undrafted free agents in the Hall of Fame. Maybe one of them turns into a player. Maybe one of these young linebackers, they throw the dart at the dartboard. Maybe they hit one. But you're not going to know it unless you throw them out there and right. play them. And I don't want to make too much of one game. And this past weekend against the Cowboys was one game. But that was some of the worst linebacker play I've seen I agree. by the I Philadelphia agree. Eagles in a decade. So I would ask you, John McMullen, throwing that dart at the dartboard, Singleton, Edwards, Bradley, Taylor. But that's the thing. Which one is actually going to hit? Which one do you think? Well, take? I don't no, no, think no, no. Throw out the Cowboy game. That's the exception, not the rule. This guy is going to be a player. Which of the group of Eagle linebackers are you going to make that statement? About I, right I don't now? think, I don't think personally, I don't think any of them, but that's why you throw, that's why the expression That's why exists. you pick up Jamie Collins. If you yeah, but, firmly believe that none of them is going to become a three down, make plays, tackle guys, linebacker, well, then short term, let's see if the Eagles can win some more games. And if they can, Jamie Collins can help them do that. Well, why here's the reason. Pick a guy like that up. Here's the reason. I always bring up this guy because I, I got to cover him. And it's an amazing story. And he is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If you threw that same conversation at me when I was watching John Randall early in his career, uh, as a, and, and you said the, the defensive tackle equivalent of, of, of Jamie Collins, 
said, well, John Randall, he's an undraft. He's not going to, that's when the draft was 12 rounds, by the way. He's not going to be able to help you. He's not going to be able to do anything. That's why it's called throwing the dart. Sometimes you hit the bullseye. You're just throwing it. 99 times out of 100, I know what Jamie Collins is. I, I You know, is Sean Bradley going to develop? Is TJ Edwards going to develop? Is Alex Singleton going to develop? Probably not. I mean, probably not. But I, I do, at least I don't know. At least they're young. I, I would say this. I don't want Eric Wilson on the field. Uh, I I want to give somebody else a chance, whether that's TJ, most likely, or even Sean Bradley, preferably Davion Taylor, if he can ever get healthy. I, I want to see one of those guys more than I want to see Jamie Collins, because maybe those guys can do something. Probably not. I'm saying the odds are definitely against me. I'm 40 feet back from the dartboard. I'm not hitting the bullseye, Jody. But I, I I think it's it's for where this team is, I don't want Jamie Collins. I don't want a 32-year-old veteran who isn't very good, to be honest. I thought Jamie Collins was a damn good player in his day. He was a, he was a good player in his day, yeah, but his day is long gone. Well, here, here's what it comes down to me, and apparently you and I have – different uh, ways to evaluate players and where the Philadelphia Eagles are at this year. I don't think any of the Eagle linebacker players right now are going to become three down players. I'm really disappointed in Alex Singleton. And I know he got a captaincy in it maybe because of his special teams, but he is starting and playing every down at linebacker for the Eagles right now. And I don't think he's had a very good year. I thought he was much better last year than he was this year. And I'm wondering, did the league kind of figure him out? That does concern me. Edwards is what he is. He's a coverage guy. He's not a tackler. The signing Wilson from the Vikings seems to be a mistake at this point. Sean Bradley can't beat out these guys who aren't getting the job done. That's a really bad sign. And oops, you just bumped into Davion Taylor and he got hurt again. <laughs> so there's the Eagles linebacking core as of right now. I think Jamie Collins comes in here and he's the best Eagle linebacker. At his advanced stage, with his game going backwards, he walks into the room today and it's the best linebacker they have. And if you can say that, if you can pick up a guy off the street and plug him into your and give him one week to get up to speed and you think he can be your best linebacker, how do you not do that in a season where you're out one and two, but the Cowboys are only one game ahead of you at two and one? Yes, you've called it a transitional year, but you're still in the NFC lease, and you want to at least take your shot. How do you not pick up a guy like that? Uh, if, as I said to you a couple of minutes ago, if there was a guy that I really believe, you just got to give him time. Give this guy. It's it, it, He is John Randall. He was undrafted. He was a, a guy you took a shot on. And you've, you've seen glimpses. You've seen flashes. And you believe it's going to come together. All right, then I say, yeah, we don't take Jamie Collins. I don't have that faith in any of these guys. And if that's the case, I got to go out and get a better player for the position where I have a gaping hole. Yeah, but when it comes, I guess my point is when it comes to players like that who come out of nowhere, um, nobody knows. Uh, to a lesser extent, forget about a Hall of Famer like like Randall. To a lesser extent, look at Alex Singleton here. And you're right. I, I, I That was the worst game I saw Alex ever play. 
um, against the Cowboys, to be honest. But I don't think he was having – I don't think he was bad against Atlanta. I don't think he was bad against San Francisco. I just think he had a bad game. Okay. But my point um, with Alex is they didn't know. They didn't want to play him. They were forced to play him. And he was better than every other linebacker they had. So he's kind of a perfect example of, of, of why playing time matters. And some guys may be being better on the field than they are in practice. I mean, I, I, but I do agree with you, and that's where I said, I don't want to see any more of Eric Wilson. I've seen enough. He's a veteran. You, again, we go back to Minnesota as well. It's not just this season. This is who he is. He cannot stop the run. I've been talking about it for months. So you do have younger players. And I do want to see, see T.J. Edwards. I do want to see more Sean Bradley. Hopefully, Javion Taylor can get on the field. Even go to the practice squad, Jacoby Stevens. They drafted him. He's that modern guy. You know, he's the safety turn linebacker. Throw him out there. Uh, Christian Ellis, uh, they signed to him. That Luther Ellis's kid. Remember Luther Ellis uh, from Detroit, the great defensive end. Throw him out there. They're not in a stage, and that's why I said it to quarterback in the biggest position. I, I'm not. I'm not worried about winning the NFC East with an eight and nine record. You know, I'd like to nine and eight record, whatever. It, you'd like to, but to me, it's more about you know finding out where you are. That transition. I'm taking Jeffrey Laurie at his word. If it's a transition, it's a transition. Let the young guys play. Yet let the young guys develop. I don't want some guy in here for he's going to be here for one year for for thirteen games. There's no need for it. That's not the position you're in. If they were a good team, I would seriously consider this. I would seriously consider it. They're not. Right. So right. I, I'm, I'm going. I, I agree with Howie Roseman in this. Here's, well, we don't know. Howie hasn't made a call. Oh, right? I know. Yet. I know. And Howie didn't call me, but I know Howie well enough to know. That's one he's not even discussed. No, no chance that no Jimmy ends up here. No shot. All right. I'm not slamming the door just yet. Maybe it's a little uh, overly optimistic on my part, but uh, I would I would inquire if I were Howie. I'm going to give you tremendous credit if that comes true. Yeah, I am and, gonna... and oh, by the way, I've got a source. His name is Jody McDonald. I'm making this stuff up. <laughs> I got no eagle sources whatsoever. I'm just trying to use a little football logic, but uh, I'm not the general manager of the Eagles, nor do I have a wire into them. All right. Uh, John mentioned quarterback. Oh, I want to talk about the quarterback when we come back because Jalen Hurts was right there with the Eagle linebackers. Pretty ugly on uh, game number three against the Cowboys. If you look at the box score, you were out of town, didn't catch the game, you go, well, it's not good, but it's not terrible. Well, well, yeah, it was, it was terrible. Pretty, it was it's pretty terrible. terrible. And we'll talk about it and the future of the Eagles at the quarterback position next year on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. 
What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac and Mac guys here with you on Bird 365. About 20 minutes from now, we're going to punch up our buddy Joe Sanella Quino, Philly Voice uh, Eagles contributor he basically covers everything for philly boys joe uh, does it all uh but we get him on to talk about the birds and we will do just that about 20 minutes from now uh johnny and i continue to break down what happened against the cowboys and look ahead we were just talking about jamie collins can you look ahead with jamie collins playing linebacker for the next 13 games and go hey they could be a better team is it even worth it that's where the debate and the rub comes in Somebody's got to play quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles the next 13 games. And we assume it's going to be Jalen Hurts for at least a while longer. Um, after having a, an outstanding first game this year, not as good. Week number two, inability to get it in from in close. Didn't like the play calling, but Jalen didn't make any plays either. And uh, the Nacho Philly special has got to be coming out of the playbook because he looked like he had no idea how to run a route. We know he knows how to run. But uh, be a receiver coming out of backfield, that did not go well. Uh, and then he had this game against the Cowboys this week. And even though the numbers, uh, some of them you can make an argument for, look okay, his post-game potty references. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I thought we're entertaining, <laughs> but overall, that was not a good game by the Eagles' starting quarterback. Uh, he had passes that he underthrew. He had passes that were open that he couldn't deliver on time and in location. Um, I just overall thought he had a really poor game. The conversation is going to start here again any minute, Johnny Mac. Uh, how is that Deshaun Watson situation playing itself out in Houston? Can we uh, get a college football schedule at this week and start to check who are the top quarterbacks and where are they going to be playing? In yeah, by the way, the, t- the top quarterbacks are not doing well in in the early college season. The guys who were projected uh, to be potential top 15 picks, top first half of the top half of the first round. Uh, so that's not good. Deshaun Watson still doesn't want to play for the Eagles. So that's not good. Depending, you know, a lot of fans wouldn't want him because of his off the field issues. The Eagles would want him, uh, but that's a different conversation. Uh, still will not come off that stance. So until he does, um, it's the draft or Jalen hurts. And I know a lot of people, and I saw your, your old partner, I saw his tweet. Good news is the Eagles could have three potential first ten uh, top ten picks. No, no, they can't. I'm sorry, Glenn Mack. Now, ton of respect for you, but the the Indianapolis Colts will shut things down if they have a potential top ten pick. Uh, they will not allow Carson Wentz at seventy five percent. They won't. As simple as that. Uh, Chris Ballard is too smart. That's just not going to happen. Now. You know, a high second round pick is still good as well when you're talking about having two first round. So if you have two high level first round picks and and a really good second round pick, that still helps you. But again, the college quarterbacks have not wowed us. And Jalen Hurts has not wowed us. Uh, I'm not going to go the extremes though, Jody. You know, after week one, he's the answer. It's over. Long term, we got it's great, Baba Kumbaya. Now it's oh, this is a disaster. Now I'm going to stay comfortably in the middle. My concern is, and it's been my concern, uh, uh, you know, when he's taken, when he's allowed Jalen Hurts to throw the throw the football down the field, he has not been successful. That's my concern, and that's got to change, and it's got to change pretty quickly. I certainly agree with you about the Indianapolis Colts. My only point there would be, how is that going to play with Carson Wentz? No, I'm not going to play well, but who cares the, at that the, point? The, the Colts are sitting at, let's just make the number up, three and nine, 12 games to go. We, we got five games to go. That's about to, Carson has played the great majority, like he has now. He's in well in the 90% of the snaps. Um and they're sitting there at three and nine, and Frank Reich has to call them into the office and say, Carson, here's the deal. We still like you. You're still our quarterback of the future, but we're in a transition phase, in case you've never heard that word before. Um, 
we're in a transition phase now. The transition isn't you, but as a team, we're transitioning. So we need that high first round draft pick we may be getting. And yeah, we can't take the chance that uh, you're going to actually uh, do well for us here in the last couple games. So yeah, we're going to go with Jacob Eason as our quarterback for the last five games of the season. We want you to stay ready. We want you to stay optimistic. We want you to be a team player and work with uh, Jake, Jacoby, Jacob in uh, the meetings. Carson says, whatever you want, coach. I'm your man, coach. I'm here for you, coach. You think that's got any chance of flying that Carson Wentz becomes the good teammate? Um, probably not, but I, I don't think the culture even nearly in the same circumstances as the Eagles were who invested so much in the Carson Wentz, believed so much in the Carson Wentz, and they wanted it to succeed. The Colts will be like, huh, this didn't work. Hey, Carson, you're not playing this week. You're done. You're mo- we're turning the page. That's it. I mean, they oh, don't have that they're, history. They're, they're telling listen, we're going oh, to trade yeah. you. Uh, no, they're 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 going to say Jacob Eason or whoever is going to play. That's it. That's going to be the conversation. And Carson's going to be out of there. What if they can trade him, or they'll just cut him? They don't have the the huge albatross the Eagles had. That's that true. that'll just be a typical. And Carson will be at the crossword roads of having failed in two organizations, and he'll probably have to come to the self realization. He's going to be a backup quarterback until he proves himself uh, moving forward. So if they get to that point, three and nine, they just bench him, and that's that. That's it. That's the end of the conversation. And they're not even going to explain. It's not going to be the kid gloves treatment other than Frank Reich is a really nice guy, you know, probably say, "Uh, sorry, sorry, Carson, but, you know, this is more important for the team long term. Yeah, they 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 will just pull the plug, and it won't be an issue at all. Jim Irsay, I don't know if you saw it, Jody. <clears throat> he was already out there last week talking about Carson's vaccination status, uh, talking about he's got to stay on the field. He was taking a hard-line approach uh, to the quarterback, and he should, to be honest. there Again, there is no background. There is no marriage. There was no, they didn't use all those assets uh, to go up to number two in the draft, all the history, none of that. This is just a guy who came in and didn't work in that type of situation. Mm, I'm looking here at the Indianapolis Colts salary cap, dead cap money if they were to cut him. Certainly not as big as the Eagles, but they're not going to get him for free. They are going to take a hit if they move on from him. Uh, he still does have guaranteed money left in his contract, um, so wouldn't wouldn't be a complete. Uh, yeah, we can just uh, move away from him at this time. I think if his play is that bad, they'll move away from him because of his play, not because uh, hey, we took a shot and it didn't work, and we'll just uh, get on with the rest of our lives. They would have to uh, eat a little dead cap money. It'd be very interesting to see how it's handled by the Colts when they do it. I uh, I will suggest to all you Eagle fans out there, a game you want to watch this Saturday. Not Sunday with the Birds. You may not want to watch Sunday at the Birds with uh, Patrick Mahomes at one and two coming to town with a chip on his shoulder. Sorry, Eagle fans. Um, <laughs> so I'm talking about Saturday. 
the University of Mississippi going into Alabama to take on the Crimson Tide. We know who uh, our producer Xander will be rooting for in that one. Um, but I have been tremendously impressed with Matt Corral, the quarterback from Mississippi. He is right now, I think, the leader in the clubhouse for the Heisman Trophy, which a lot of people thought Spencer Rattler was the leader before the season started. He has not been impressive. Sam Howell has not been impressive. Keydon Slovis from USC has not been impressive. All the guys who everybody had at the top of the chart uh, gotten off to pretty slow starts in college football this year. Matt Corral from uh, Mississippi has been phenomenal. Now, uh, Alabama's a two-plus touchdown, almost three-touchdown favorite because they are every single week and they've got a better <laughs> team. But um, this kid quarterback absolutely could be playing himself to the top of the draft this upcoming year. And if you haven't seen him play yet, this is the best weekend of the entire year. Now, there's one other game I do want to make note of because another guy who will be in the conversation for the number one quarterback has all these other preseason possibilities get off to slow starts. You and I have talked about him here on Birds 365. Malik Willis from Liberty has also gotten off to a pretty good start. Not to offer a ton of yards, running a lot. Looks kind of a lot like Trey Lance, as a matter of fact, but he's completing a high percentage of his passes. Mississippi and Liberty actually play. I think it's oh, the wow. first Saturday of November. So Matt Corral against Malik Willis. Oh, that's a much circle that one. Look up the date on that one now, Eagle fans, because if you believe what John just said, Deshaun Watson not happening, how the Eagles going to get the quarterback of the future if it's not Jalen Hurts? Oh, that's going to be a showdown game between two guys who I'm telling you right now will be ahead of the Spencer Rattlers and Sam Howells and Keaton Slovises. Both Willis and Corral will be guys who will be, by the time we get to the draft, ranked ahead of them, and guys the Eagles absolutely should be targeting. Yeah, certainly Willis. I'm I'm not sure on Corral. If he beats Alabama, obviously, you know, Sky right. Only because he's uh I, I, I haven't seen him play that much and I certainly uh haven't, you know, don't have time to look at uh where NFL scouts. He's got a chance, I guess, to go the Joe Burrow route, but I think he's a little bit undersized. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, Jody. So he, then he's he, a six footer. Yeah, so then you gotta be really athletic. You gotta be in the is he that athletic to overcome that lack of size? Just knowing how NFL scouts think, it's going to be more difficult for him uh, than it is uh, a, a Willis, where more of the concern was obviously is going to be the level of competition and stuff like that. But once the Rattlers of the world, the Howells of the world are disappointing, then the Willises have a chance to jump up there. I just don't know if, uh, you know, traits measurable wise, Matt Corral is going to be able to get there. But it, I haven't seen him play. Is he? Is he? Is he very athletic? Because he's got to be very athletic if he's that size. No, not really. Um, yeah. So he I can, he I, can pull it down and run with it, but he's not uh, Trey Lance or uh, Malik Willis type. Uh, I don't even think he's a Jalen Hurts type. Uh, no, he's a stand in the pocket and throw kind of guy. Yeah, I I don't like that. I don't. Not that I'm not saying I'm I'm saying I know how these guys think. And if he's a stand in the pocket guy, at six foot whatever he is, 
Ten. He's, he's he's got he's got okay size. He's got he's yeah. as per comparison to all the quarterbacks in the NFL, he's slightly undersized. He's not as undersized as say Devonta Smith would be as compared to other wide receivers around the National Football League. You just look at his skills and believe he's going to be able to play at the next level despite his size. I would say the same thing about Matt Corral. Yeah, I mean, things are changing a little bit, and that's probably a good thing from the quarterback position. Um, you know, he's going to have to have some movement skills to overcome that. If you're a tra- traditional pocket passer, they still want 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and, and, you know, maybe you'll get away with 6'3", but they don't even want traditional pocket passers to begin with anymore, so... The league is shifting in that direction. Maybe it'll be a a polarizing prospect. But knowing NFL personnel people, they want to see some kind of special trait if you're that undersized at the quarterback. The kid can fire the football. He's got a serious – Let me say, you're Zach Wilson, and by no means am I um, writing Zach Wilson off. That's the kind of player you have to be, the all-platform throws. Because Zach Wilson hasn't showed up yet, obviously. He's got tremendous, tremendous arm talent. I saw that live. I mean, it it just, it is striking when you see it on the practice field compared to other guys throwing the football. Um, if he's got that, maybe, maybe, maybe something can happen. Corral can throw the football. I've watched a couple of his games so far. And I'm going to give you one other name. And I'm telling you right now, this kid is not going to play himself up into the conversation of the top 10 in the draft. But he could play himself into the first round. And depending on how the Eagles use their apps and who's sitting there and the like. I've now watched three Fresno State games. Um, I stayed up till... 245. Boy, boy you were you were really killing Jalen Hurts and not develop. We're talking Fresno State Fresno football. State. Well, hey, uh, I I enjoy playing amateur NFL scouts. No, I know. I watch every saying. college football game with an eye on how's this guy going to translate to the next level. That's just me. Um, and I saw this kid play week zero and said. Damn, I've never seen him play. He can throw the football. He's got him hanging. Kid by the name of Jake Hayner on Fresno State. He is, for my money, should be, he's got no chance, but should be just off the stats, the leading candidate ahead of Matt Corral for the Heisman Trophy this year. He's got 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. He leads college football in yards thrown at 1,800. You talk about undersized. He's actually 6'1". They list Corral at six foot, but Corral is like 205, 210. Jay Kaner's 195, and I'm telling you, they're adding pounds to him. He, he, he looks like a scat back more than he does a quarterback. But this guy's got him hanging. He hangs in the pocket against UCLA a couple of weeks ago. I told you I stayed up till 235. I was in, on the air till 2. I stayed up another half an hour to watch the end of the game and watch him march his team down the field against Chip Kelly's defense and pull out a game at the end of the game. Jake Hayner, just put that name aside. No one is talking about him as a draftable quarterback. Certainly nobody talked about him coming into the year, yours truly included, but uh, I jumped onto him early this year when he had a big game week number one. Fresno State has been known to develop quarterbacks, the Carboys, uh, before. 
So just keep that name in the back of your pocket uh, about a guy who could play himself into the first round conversation. He's not there yet, but I'm telling you, he's a legit Heisman candidate. Yeah. Well, know. you know, you know, Jody, you know, I tell you NFL statistics are overrated. You know, throw college statistics out the door. They're not looking at those types of things. There's certain offenses I brought up. He's got I Joe o- Burrow to be the number one pick in the draft. No, but yeah, yeah, but they're they're playing at Ohio State. That's a high level of competition. They're playing at uh, LSU. Uh, uh, you know, I was thinking Fields Burrow was at Ohio State. Transfers to LSU. He's winning national championships. There's a big difference between Fresno State. And LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, when you're playing at that level. I just go back to Colt Brennan because of his season, which I think is still the record, the 5,500 yards, 58 touchdowns. I, I mean, look, those those guys are tremendous college players, tremendous. Uh, and not a lot of people can do that. But there's a whole lot of difference between having a, a high, you know, high-paced, sort of like Paul Westhead offense on the football field from a from – a, and you can do that at the college level. You can't just do something nobody else is doing and piling up 5,500 passing yards in the NFL. It just doesn't work like that. It's just, and that's why people – and that's why it's difficult and you try to um, – you know, you see the young quarterbacks and how they're struggling so badly early in their careers – the Trevor Lawrence, who's as clean as a prospect you're going to get, is struggling. Fields are struggling. Wilson's struggling. Everybody's struggling. And it ain't uh, easy. Just, I, John, if you want to dismiss him, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm, dis- you, I'm, I'm dismissing the Fresno State kid. Keep I have your an- <laughs> eye on Jake Hayner. He is I'm sure a, he's a great college player, but he, he's not going to be a first-round He pick. will be an NFL player. Mark my well. That I I'm not saying he could be a backup or a third string quarterback. There's plenty. I mean, I remember Jake. Remember Jake Browning's freshman year at Washington. I mean, he was just unbelievable. Talk. People were talking about him being uh, a future number one overall pick, and all, all of a sudden, oh, you know, you start looking at his size, and it falls off, and he doesn't get drafted. He's an NFL player, though. I mean, he's on uh, Cincinnati, I think. It's back at quarterback. Um, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it could be an NFL player. Uh, all I'm saying is, if I have to make a pick today, Jake Hayner, Keaton Slovis, I'm taking Jake Hayner. And people were talking about Keaton Slovis being the first uh, draftable quarterback this year. If I'm talking yeah. about Jake Hayner or Sam Howell at North Carolina, who some people thought could be the first overall uh. number one pick. I'm taking Jay Kaner. I haven't completely given up on Spencer Ratley yet. He's going to have to turn it around. But I've kind of passed on the Slovenses and the Howells of the world. Keep your eye on a Jay Kaner from Fresno State. Kids got him hanging. All right, we're hanging here on Bird 365. He's McMullen. I'm McDonald. Joining us next, we're going to get another Jay on the show. That would be Joe Santa Liquido for phillyvoice.com. I'm going to hop aboard Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. 
Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back, guys. I'm Bird 365. Ah, we've got a well-informed third party to join today's show. Uh, uh, a lot of different things in a lot of different places. Billy Boynton does it all, covers all the sports, uh, but we like his eagle knowledge when he hops aboard with us. Joe Sandler Laquito here with us. I'm Bird Street 365. What do you know, Joe? Hey, guys. How are you? Oh, I pumped up the volume there, Joe. Good yeah, to see you, let buddy. Me, let me hang no, on. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> all right. Where do we start, Joe, with this team? A rookie head coach, everything peaches and cream, mm-hmm. a young quarterback after week one, and then the NFL has a way of, uh, you know, you're a big boxing guy punching you right in the face when you think things are going well. Um, what have you seen from Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts over the past two weeks? After the great debut, not much, not much, and I don't, I don't put much, I don't put much stock into the into the great debut. Um, they beat a very, very bad Atlanta Falcons team, which we're finding out about. Um, you have to excuse me; I'm going to have some fun for a second. 
I bring props. Oh, there we go. Right? Because that's that? what it reminded me of. It reminded me of the white helmet Eagles that I grew up with. That's how bad this team was on Ooh. Monday night. And that's what I, I kind of foresee over this next month and what these guys have ahead of them. Um, uh, these are things we spoke about going into the season. We spoke about how solvent the offensive line is. And uh, you have a, a group of guys that really have not held up well as a, uh, as a collective unit over the last three or four years. And now we're talking about heading into week four. And your left guard is now Nate Herbick. And your right guard is, uh, is, a, is a rookie uh, out, of, uh, out of Alabama, you know, Landon Dickerson, who obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's a great run blocker, but he's, he's proven that he can't exactly stop uh, anyone when it comes to pass protection. So uh, I would define this as a mess. And it's a mess that's only going to get larger and deeper. Uh, my things, the things that I'm looking for is how they react to these situations. Uh, I thought on Monday night, Nick Sirianni, well, the whole team obviously didn't acquit themselves very well. But in my opinion, from what I saw, uh, I, I thought Nick Sirianni actually kind of froze at the, at the wheel. Yes. I, I think he, he, got, he got kind of caught up in, um, I think he lost track of everything. And, and, and I'll chalk that up to a, a first-year NFL head coach that got lost in a situation. Uh, I do believe Nick Sirianni is a smart guy. I believe Nick Sirianni is a guy that, that, that works hard. I, I believe he's someone that will take a strong look at himself and self-evaluate. And hopefully in time, this is one of those learning pain situations that, by the way, Eagles fans better get a grip on this. This is going to be a learning pain kind of season. I would tend to agree. Well, Jeff Lloyd told us about that before he even yeah. hired Nick Sirianni <laughs> when he fired Doug Peterson and said yeah. we're in a transition. Uh, they looked very transitional to me on Monday night. Um, you mentioned his self-evaluation. John talked about that last week here on the show, mm -hmm. and he thought it was worrisome that two weeks in that he's already second guessing him and evaluating himself. Uh, I get it that it is a transition type year, but Eagle fans don't want to hear that. They want to be competitive in a very weak division. If this division had a Kansas city and they had no chance to make it and they didn't look like a 500 team. So how could you be thinking wild card? Hey, okay, then fine. It's a rebuild. You don't even use the word like transition. You call it what it is. It's a rebuild. I don't know that Eagle fans want to hear that. So is Nick Sirianni earning and learning on the job something that Eagle fans want to hear, Joe? Well, obviously they don't, but they better, and they have to, because they have no other situation. There's no other recourse in this uh, matter. Uh, the Eagles took in Andy Reid, who no one knew about. We obviously found out about him uh, on the go. He's a Hall of Fame <laughs> caliber coach. But uh, – I recall, I don't even think the third game in the Andes' first rookie season with the Eagles, I don't think they looked anywhere near as bad as they did on Monday night. And it was it's not just Nick Sirianni, it was a, it was a collective unit. Um, uh, the adjustments that they certainly made in, in the first two games, uh, again, I think everybody froze. Uh, but you have to lie, obviously the blame lies with the, with the guy that, that wears the, the crown, in this case Nick Sirianni, he's the, he's the head of the, the show. Um, so if, if if he's freezing, he's freezing at the wheel. Ah, <laughs> you know, everybody collectively seemed yeah. to, to freeze at the wheel as well. Um, I know 
going into it, and and, and John and I uh, each week make our predictions with Philly Voice. Uh, I, I saw the Eagles losing this game. I didn't think they would lose the way they lost. And some of the things I had been hearing from SEC coaches that know of Jalen Hurts, some of those things, some of those old criticisms began to surface. I mean, that, uh, you know, there's a fabulous touchdown pass that he threw. Well, obviously, late in the game, his competitive fire was still there. But uh, this is, he's also a very major work in progress. And again, knowing what we know about, Wentz, if you were able to put Jalen's competitiveness, his fire uh, into Carson Wentz, you'd have the complete quarterback. Because, again, Carson Wentz is still a physically better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Uh, And people, again, better get a grip on the fact that, you know, this guy's – this is a trial-by-fire situation for Jalen Hurts this season. He's not going to back away from the fire. He's going to run towards the fire. But does he have enough armament to deal with the heat? Does he have enough armament to turn around and be able to get this team to where it needs to go? Right now, doesn't look like it. Right now, all the things that I've been hearing from, from, from a few SEC coaches that had familiarity with Jalen Hurts are coming to fruition. And um, I, I, I don't know what you can do about it. I mean, do you go to Joe Flacco? No, because this is a team that still has to learn and grow as a collective yeah. unit. And I believe making the move to Joe Flacco would only be a step back. Um, so let's 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 see where things go. It doesn't look like things are going in a good situation, and certainly with Kansas City coming in, they're not going to get any better. Silver lining here, Joe, because uh, this is what this season is supposed to be about: bonding out what you have in Jalen Hurts, and to a lesser degree, Nick Sirianni. Maybe the Nick part isn't a positive, but. If you find out, it, 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 to me, the answer is more important than no answer. In other words, if you're scheming up Jalen Hurts like Nick Sirianni was able to do against a fellow rookie head coach in week one, mm-hmm. and I talked about this with Jody after that game, what are you really learning other than, okay, the coach did a good job, but you're throwing the ball three yards in the air, bubble screen, bubble screen. What are you learning about the quarterback? Now, it's been ugly over the past two weeks as he throws the football down the field, but we are learning perhaps, okay, maybe this isn't get the guy who can throw the football down the field. Is that a positive, just getting the answer, if we ultimately get to that answer? I think it's a positive because it gives you a direction as to where to go. Um, this is something that a um... – uh, a quarterback guru that I, I know spoke to me about uh, after the uh, season open, the season open against Atlanta. First thing he told me, I got on the phone. He says, "Joe, I don't know if they have a whole lot of confidence." In Jalen Hurts. I said, well, "Where's that coming from?" He says, "Well, it's one thing to turn around and get him going early on, but they kept that pace. You know, yeah. they kept that pace of like you were saying. You know, with the bubble screens and things like that. That shows me. You know, even in one game, uh, and this is again, this is an individual telling me this." They don't have a whole lot of faith in the guy right now. If they had some faith, okay, you know, you're in a comfortable situation with a, well, what we're finding out is a very bad Atlanta team, but you're going to show some faith and confidence in him to let him go, let him cut loose, let him go down the field in the second half. We didn't see that. Um, we obviously saw that on Monday night because they were in a desperate situation. You know, it's one thing to build this confidence gradually with the bubble screens and the short stuff to get it going, 
But then when, when, when you're continuing to do that, it, it doesn't show a whole lot of faith in him right now. And in the back of my mind, going conspiracy theory, there's one thing in, in, in easing someone into a situation, and then there's other things to the NFL. And, you know, there's no, there's no little kiddie pool here. It's all the deep end. And you better get ready for the deep end fast because if you don't, you're going to have a situation like you had Monday night. And I know, Jody, God bless you, you're a Dallas guy or a Dallas Cowboys fan. Dallas was very, very magnanimous in that game because it could have been far worse than it was, and it was only 41-21. True. And uh, the coach actually heard about it, that uh, why he didn't call timeouts at the end of the first half. I still don't understand why they didn't go for a two-point conversion at one point when the kicker missed his extra point and you want to get it back to the seven-point number. Didn't make any sense to me, but down in, down out. Yes, the Cowboy coaching staff certainly outcoached the Eagles staff. All right, Joe, I need your opinion on this. John and I disagreed on this in hour number one. Jamie Collins, veteran linebacker, got released by the Detroit Lions. They are further along in the, oh, yeah, we stink. We're in rebuild mode. Uh, than the Eagles are right now, he becomes available and you can go out and get him if you can just convince him uh, that he can have a good year here, one-year contract. He's better at this stage in his career, age 32, than any of the other Eagle linebackers for my money. I say go get him. John says, what is he really going to bring to the table? Why don't you just continue to evaluate what you have? Should the Eagles make a play for Jamie Collins? I tend to lean more towards John and the thinking of uh, the Eagles. Uh, well, you don't need to get any older. Uh, did, did, did Wilson even make a tackle Monday night? <laughs> he made he a bunch. Play. Uh, Eric Wilson? Or are you talking about Taylor? No, I'm talking about Jimmy Collins of Detroit. Uh, he oh. didn't play this past week uh, for the Lions. You know that he was a signee by the previous coach, so mm-hmm. the new coach said, yeah, we don't need a 32-year-old guy. They're playing young yeah. guys. Um, but Detroit is 0 and 3 on the way to 2 and 15. Are the Eagles 2 and 15? Would be my question. Oh, they're on their way. Yeah, they're they're certainly on their way. And and here's a, here's a, another thing that's interesting. Just looking at their schedule here, three games in 11 days. They host the Chiefs. Yeah. They take on a rising Panthers team the following week. And then you only deal with four days. I mean, that is, I, I think that that's a Thursday night game where the Eagles are hosting the defending Super Bowl champions. Yeah. Three, three games in 11 days. And, and we're talking one and two now. They can easily be one and five. And then after they're one and five, they're going to a Raiders team in Vegas uh, that's playing exceptionally well. Um, again, I, I, the, the, the haunting of the white helmet are. And, and, and I, I just can't, I just can't go back. I can't go back to that enough that, that, that this reminds me of, of those times. Um, I saw Singleton flying around a little bit Monday night. Uh, John, you were saying Wilson did have, Eric Wilson did have a, a pretty productive game. Um, I tackles wise, but they were all wise. eight yards down. Yeah, the eight field. yards. Yeah. Eight y- uh, first and second and two, yeah. you made a tackle. Whoopee. <laughs> Well, I also will say this for all of the uh, the uh, the positivity we hear about Darius Slay didn't exactly quit himself very well, you know. So I these are supposed to be the strong areas um, of this team. Uh, Cox played well. Uh, it's a matter of endurance with him. Uh, Hargrave played well, uh, but then it, it, it without think about think about. 
about how bad it would have been without those two Monday yeah, night. Right, um, yeah. But then you see Fletcher Cox doing what Fletcher Cox continuously does. You know, by the third and fourth quarter, he's he's on the field. I think was it John? Was it cramps? Yeah, he had cramps. He was, he was sick during the week. Okay. Uh, he okay. mentioned uh, he didn't eat for four days, so he was pretty sick. Okay. Um, and it was really hot in Dallas. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, they had the the roof open. They had the doors open. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's no excuse. Fletcher didn't make an excuse about it, but he was sick. He didn't practice during the week. Uh, wasn't able to get through the game. But those guys, you know, that was the Cowboys' game plan. They double-teamed. Once they figured out, you know, Brandon Graham isn't out here, um, the linebackers are the linebackers. Let's double-team Fletcher Cox. Let's double-team Javon, and let's go downhill. And those linebackers just couldn't make a play, which leads me to my next question, Joe, and that's the coaching staff. Both sides of the football. I just gave you a Jonathan Gannon example, but Nick Sirianni as well. You mentioned froze, deer in the headlights, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. This staff is very young. Yeah. And when they're in the guts of the game and the game is not going well, go back to the boxing analogy. Mm-hmm. They're not they are not reacting well to that hard right to the face. Let's put it that way. They're not, they're not adjusting. And, and I think that again comes with the, the youth of the group. Uh, these guys I, I think have, have shown, and John, you were there uh, during the preseason. I think they've shown that they're good teachers, but being a good teacher doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're a good in-game coach. Um, I, I, I really, I, I I, I know Sirianni has, has turned around. At least I'll tell you this. He's transparent. He's willing to take accountability. He doesn't skirt a question. Uh, but this is, as, as again, as a group, they they are learning as a group. They're learning on the job. And, again, the NFL is not built like that. You know, this is a, this is a, a, a team that year after year has expectations. Uh, but again, and I, I've said it on this on, on your air. I said it to both you guys, if you remember, uh, uh, back when I had my wing clipped. My wing, look, look, it's free. It's nice. free. <laughs> Looking good. <laughs> but back, if you guys recall, I think it was back in uh, mid-August when we spoke, that uh, I, I had no – this team is not going to win any more than six games. I mean, they'd be lucky yeah. to win six games. And right now, as we see, it's, it's happening more and more. And people are just going to have to be patient. Uh, the fearful thing – going to be this uh how you how you move how you improve uh, we saw that in, in coach reed's first year that we saw some progression there we saw some things happening and and i was thinking too um giving nick sirianni the benefit of the doubt that this is a team that's going to learn and grow as they learn and grow his system well we're also finding out that right now after three games he may not have a system <laughs> we saw Jalen Hurts running for his life on monday night and I'm trying to decide, you know, what the hell kind of offense is this? You yeah. know, it, it almost no goes back to... No pre-snap motion at all, Joe. Does, does it no back, pre-snap motion. Does it go back to... I, I remember Buddy Ryan almost ignoring the offensive side of the ball and saying, here, Randall, make a play each play. Well, you could do it with Randall and kind of get away with it because Randall Cunningham had that kind of a talent and ability and had the ability to certainly throw the ball down the field. Now, poor Jalen Hurts is running for his life, still learning about the NFL level. 
still learning to see. We don't even know if Jalen Hurts has any kind of an arm to throw beyond 40 yards. So that, that, that's the sense that I got, that this is, this is a very, very bad version of that kind of offense. The thing that you have to take into consideration with Jalen Hurts, and I did a lot of this last year, blame me. Uh, I defended Carson Wentz for the first month of the season saying, come on, who can survive behind that ravaged offensive line? Well, we're getting there with the Eagles' ravaged offensive line as well. Injuries are plenty, and maybe, maybe not. They get my lot of back this week, but if they don't, three-fifths of the offensive line is going to be substitutions. We talked about this a lot here on the show, Joe, and it's been a while since we had you on. The way the Eagles handle preseason. Guys not getting a lot of reps. Practice is running short. John McMullen capable of having a leisurely lunch because the Eagle practice ran as short as it did. Best part of the day. Yeah, best part of his day. Um, I questioned it that, come on, don't you prep for a football season by actually practicing football and getting guys out there? Did they overstate the 4-0 record in joint practices and think they had achieved everything they needed to? Is this team even ready for game four? of an NFL season, and if not, who are we pointing the finger at? Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff, or Howie Roseman at all, and all the people who advise the coaching staff as to how much he should use his players? Well, this is something from the past that uh, John and I have actually spoken about numerous times on the air, or or, or in private, is um, right off the bat, uh, Deuce Staley being told, you're coaching these guys too hard. Uh, they've had guys from on top, from high, from, from I'm not going to necessarily say Jeff Lurie, but I kind of have a feeling it may come from Jeff Lurie on down that, you know, how tough these guys get coached. And apparently, well, I can assume that attitude, that underlying attitude is still there. That's why, that's why Deuce Staley is no longer on the Eagles coaching staff. You know, the, he, was, he was told, Numerous times, and I know this for a fact, he was told, you know, you're coaching these guys too hard. Well, I also know the other side of it. The running backs at that time loved to be coached hard. They wanted to be pushed. And maybe there's that, that feeling again that uh, let's let's deal with kid gloves right now. We're dealing with everybody gets a trophy type of generation. I, I see and understand that. But again, as, as I've, I've said here numerous times, this is the NFL. This is the deep end. You've jumped into the deep end. You're not jumping into the kiddie pool. And right now, it seems as if in terms of the way the Eagles think collectively, it seems as if they still have a kiddie pool mentality. Um, I, I, I do have to say this from what I saw, and, and John, you're you're a far better evaluator than me. Andre Dillard didn't look that bad Monday. Oh, he was he played well. He played fine. Andre Dillard was not the issue. Uh, and I thought it was a perfect situation. I said that coming into the game. Tamarcus Lawrence is hurt. Mm-hmm. They were down six defensive linemen. So it wasn't great competition, but he was not the issue at all. And I thought that was one of the few positive parts of that game. I do want to kind of carry over Jody's thought about the offseason. And I don't think it's Nick Sirianni's fault. That's an organizational decision. I think he would have preferred to prepare, preferred to practice longer. Bottom line, he wasn't allowed to. And then I go into three games, Joe, record number of penalties franchise record, lead the NFL. I think that's where that offseason, that lack of practice time, that sloppiness carries over into the football games. That's historic. Yeah. Why why the penalties? Why the lack of discipline other than that? Yeah. 
uh, having the uh, pleasure of talking to Coach Vermeil in early August, and God bless him, he's as old school uh, as it as it comes. Uh, but obviously, with the restrictions today that that coaching staffs have, as opposed to what Coach Vermeil faced, uh, what what he had the luxury of doing during his time here in the uh, with the Eagles. Um, but I, I do believe Andy Reid still, <laughs> you know, this is a Hall of Fame coach, uh, a future Hall of Fame coach that pretty much runs the Kansas City Chiefs the way he ran the Eagles here. I mean, yeah. he was incredibly demanding. He turned around, had these guys go through. And it's just a very simple rule of thumb, you know, and, and I see it covering the high school kids and, and with, with, the, uh, with, the, with the colleges that I cover. Repetition, repetition, repetition. And and again, you 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 in many ways you you practice how you play, and if you're not there on the field, again these guys seem to be at least as a collective unit they seem to be more classroom bound than they are practical ground bound. Right now, right now, I'm not saying that they they I'm not saying there's there's, there's not a capacity to grow. I like to believe that there is a capacity to grow as a coaching staff here, but from what I know of this staff. Uh, they seem to be more, you know. Let, let, let's 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 do the teaching. And again, I'm not going to criticize the teaching ability of this coaching staff because everything I heard and John, again, maybe you can attest to this. These guys are very very good teachers. But again, that doesn't mean you can practically put what you teach in in the practical situations into real life situations. And obviously, that's that's that certainly is, isn't that hasn't been the case here. And again, it's not going to get any easier with what they have coming up with Kansas City. With a very, I think a very good. I, I believe in Matt Rule and, and the Carolina Panthers, and then again, obviously, uh, uh, you know, Tampa, Bay. Tampa yeah. Bay coming in. So it's not going to get any easier. Uh, I can see them easily being one in five, maybe even, maybe even. Then you got the Raiders one in six. They travel to Detroit on uh, on Halloween. Well, the Detroit Lions that I saw on Monday on on, on Sunday. Against the uh, against yeah, Baltimore, they were competitive. that's yeah, they were, that's yeah. a team. That's a team that could beat some people. So yeah. this is this this by the end of this month, this could be very ugly, very fast. We shall see. I was just going to ask you, when do you think the Eagles are going to get their next win? And you're kind of saying, well, I don't know, December somewhere there about. I I I tend to believe I were to go Detroit because I don't think anybody. Anybody's certainly picking them. I think they're what a, a um, uh, they're a plus six against the Chiefs at home. I, I certainly they're not going to be the favorites in in Carolina. And with with you know with the four day rest coming yeah. in with the short week, you know they're certainly not going to be the favorites with the Buccaneers coming in. And they're certainly not going to be the favorites with the with the Raiders. You know, and who's to say they're not a pick them going into uh, Halloween Day against the Lions? I I don't. The best shot they have at you know, the next victory would probably be, I keep on saying the end of this month, but we're still in September, but would probably be the Lions, you know, down the line on October 31st. All right. So thanks for the good news, Joe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it rolling. And I hear, and, and Joe said earlier, I'm a cowboy guy. I've been a cowboy guy for close to 15 years. I yes. was one growing up. I was a massive Roger Starback fan. Yes. I appreciated Tom Landry. I thought Jerry Jones was a blowhard from the day. He bought the team, but he bought Super Bowls immediately. So I stayed on board and took that bandwagon ride. But it's been a long time since I've been a Cowboy fan. Mm -hmm. However, they impressed me on Monday night. They are 2-1. and one. They hung tough with uh, Tom Brady and yeah. the Bucks week one. 
is Dallas going to run away and hide in the NFC lease this year? Well, we're showing what's, what's, what's come out here. Um, we're seeing how bad the Giants are. Um, and I, I'm, I'm talking from a bias. Joe Judge is uh, it's one of my guys. I, you know, it's scary. I covered Joe in high school. Uh, I think the world <clears> of Joe. And I, actually, I like to believe Joe's a very good coach. And he is a very good coach. He wouldn't be a head coach in the NFL if he wasn't a very good coach. But right now, there's uh, there's some things there. It's surprising. It, it's kind of going on because I believe um, Danny Dimes Jones is playing very well. Or, 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 or well, he's playing well. I'm not going to put the say, say, saying it's very well. Um, they may be, I think the Eagles may be slightly better than the Giants. I still don't think with that the formidable Washington defensive front, I still don't think they're – as good as Washington. By the way, they but haven't done diddly for three haven't. weeks. No, they, 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 Washington they defense has been really disappointing. Yeah. It, it, it has. Um, but right now, if I were to put them in a, in a group, I would say certainly Dallas is far, far above, light years above everybody right now in the rest yep. of the division. Uh, I would put Washington second, followed by the Eagles, and, and, then, and then the Giants. What, what do you guys think? What do you guys think of that assessment? Uh, I agree. I think Dallas, look, the problem with Dallas was the defense and uh, it's not going to be a top 10 defense, but as long as, as Dan Quinn can turn it away from being a historically bad defense and they're making plays, they're opportunistic. Trayvon Diggs has taken that next step. So if they've got top five offense with say a 16 middle of the road defense, they're going to run away with this division. They're going to run away with it. I, I think they could win. I think they could win 11 games, 11 or 12 games. I think they're that good. I mean, Dak is, is playing at an MVP-type level. Um, they're a little bit beat up, I think, on the offensive line. That should a little bit uh, on Monday night. But you're dealing with, um, I think I think Dallas could sweep. I think Dallas could, could go 6-0 in the division. I mean, do you guys see any threat to the Cowboys of winning one game the way the other three teams are playing right now? Other than it's the NFL, and you know this. That's why I don't think the Eagles are we're getting into Bob Groats territory. We always joke here, Joe, because Bob had him at one. In, what was it? One and eight. One and no. He, he had a he had an O in front of. Oh, him. if he they didn't beat the start <laughs> this season, he said five. He said oh and eight. Well, he said if they don't beat Atlanta, but right. they beat Atlanta, so we're in the one and seven. He didn't one know and, they. He didn't yeah. think they were going to do. He yeah. was leaning toward an L in so, Atlanta. Our buddy Bob Groats. I, I but every week in this league. You're going to win a game you're not supposed to win, and you're going to lose a game or two you're you're supposed to win. I think that's going to happen with the Eagles. But I got to tell you, Nick Sirianni, uh, the last two weeks have not been impressive from the standpoint of in-game coaching. I agree with you, Joe. I think this is a good coaching staff when it comes to teaching. In-game, I knew there were going to be hiccups, but this is a guy when he gets behind – that deer in the headlights, yeah. that 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 rings true. Mm-hmm. When he gets behind, everything comes off the rails. And I've talked to this with this with Jody about this a lot. That veteran sounding board. Man, where is he? We need him. Yeah. We need him right now, and it's not Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I it, 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 I I said it part of the season with you guys and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns. Uh, this is a five, six win team. This is a team that everybody's going to have to be patient with. 
this is a team that secretly, well, not secretly. I mean, they basically came out and said it, but people just they refused to hear it when Lori's, you know, were, were, when he when he announced the firing of, of Doug Peterson. This is this is a retooling team. This is a team that's turning around. It's going to have to learn and grow. Um, let's see what Nate Herbert can do in the coming weeks. Let's see what Dickerson can do in the coming weeks. Uh, certainly, Andre Dillard, uh, at least on Monday night against subpar competition, was able to show some glimpses as to why the Eagles drafted him as high. The other big thing is is Lane Johnson. You know, how much longer is Lane going to be able to uh, hold up? Uh, I know Brandon Brooks is going to be back in, in what, three or four weeks. But in my opinion, and I, I think the world of Brandon Brooks, uh, he's a he's an, an amazing person on the field. He's a certainly a, a difference maker on the field, but he's also a very, very amazing person. I've gotten to know Brandon off the field. And I think Brandon's at a stage right now, and I say this cringing. Guys, I, he, I, I mean, it's, it's been one thing after another after another. And yeah. uh, I, I can't imagine him going through any more, any more pain. Um, you know, this is a guy that I'm, you know, let's, let's be honest with, with each other here, all of us. Um, you know, we're supposed to be unbiased, but that that's we all know that doesn't exist. So you see a guy, a real good guy like Brandon Brooks go down. You see a guy that's, that's like that in pain. It, it kind of stings a little bit, you know, because you don't want to see one of the good guys like him go down. You know, he's a Super Bowl champion. He's all these things. In a very statistic way, I'm saying you should think about retiring. You know, I, I know he has a nice contract ahead of him. But right now, I mean, his, his last full season was, was, was what was – the Super Bowl year, 2017, correct? Yeah, he got and hurt. Then he got, uh, and then he got hurt. Then he got hurt in the playoff game, the following season against game, the Saints. Saints yeah. And he hasn't been the same since. Yeah. I mean, it's been one thing after another after another. And it, it may come to that point in time where he, he has to – and he's an incredibly intelligent guy. I, I believe he, he's either working on his Masters or he's just finished his Masters. You know, just, just reevaluate where you are, where things stand with you. And, and hopefully, you know – Brandon's going to be able to take a look at himself like that, as well as the Eagles organization taking a look at a, a guy that's been a, a fantastic uh, soldier for them and, and a winner for them. But, you know, th- there comes a time. And again, this is this is an overall theme with the Eagles. It's time to move on from a lot of pieces. You know, Joe, so, Joe uh, you came back from the IR. Well, yeah. last time we had you on, you were on the IR. You're back. <laughs> So I have faith that Brandon Brooks is going to do exactly the same. <laughs> but let me let me go one more time here, guys. Oh, here there it is. The white helmet. There it is. The white uh, helmet. Are old so school. Back to, uh, I was a I was a child. Back to Pete Lisk and Silky Saul and uh, Pete uh, Lisk. Oh my God! Yeah. I was I was just I was a little baby with my little you know green and white Eagles football. But I remember some of those guys, and I remember just how dreadful those teams were. Yeah. Uh, but at least with those. Those teams, there was no hope. There was no look at the future. With Jeff Lurie, with this organization, we know there's going to be a constant push to improve. We know there's going to be a constant. Uh, there's always going to be. They're always going to look for ways to get better. But right now, they have to get out of their own way, and they have to get younger, and they have to turn around and take a look at um, where things stand, and certainly where things stand um, uh, moving forward with 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 Jalen Hurts. I get ready for a long, ugly ride because that's. What well, he, he almost spun it back to optimism, folks. And that's why we like having almost. Joe Santa Luquito, thank you much, buddy. We'll get you up again soon enough. Okay. Nice show. Thank you. That is Joe Santa Luquito, phillyvoice.com here with us on Birds 365. All right, quickie timeout, come back. We put a ball on the show next year on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. 
Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, running a little late here on Bird 365. Thank you, Channel Mosquito, for coming on. Um, no Johnny Maximo, COVID testing. We'll get him up at the start of the show, but... Uh, Jeff Carl being co-hosting with me. Matt Verderam from uh, NFL. Uh, what the, shoot, I don't even remember what uh, website Matty works for. I didn't write it down. SB Nation. Uh, no, he's not SB Nation. I forget. Fansided. Fansided. That's Fan-sided. it. He's a fansided guy. It all runs uh, together. To very me. good. Uh, covers the entire NFL but is a Kansas City native, so uh, I thought he'd be a good guy. Oh, guy. I didn't know he, that. Yeah, he's yeah. a KC guy. He's been a Chiefs fan his whole life, uh, but he does not let that affect his work. He's going to join us at one point tomorrow. All right, we're going to finish on this note, John. I was going to ask uh, this question of Joe, but we ran out of time. We just went to Eagles-Cowboys weeks. 
And yes, we always try and pump it up and overblow it, make it a bigger deal than it actually is. There's one more Eagles Cowboy week this year. It is week 18. Never said that before. Yeah. Week 18. Well done, by the way, to get that right. Yeah. I would have said week 17. Yeah, week eight, week 18. Um, I'm gonna need you to make a pick on that game. Gardner Minshew against Cooper Rush, because the Eagles are actually not worried about winning games at that stage, much like this past year with Doug Peterson. If anything, tanking. Oh, oh. They tanked week 17 last year. This year they may be tanking week 18, and the Cowboys will probably be about 10 and 6. Have a two-game lead in the division. Yeah. Not have to worry about winning it. So here comes Cooper Rush off the bench as Dak sits in skivvies on the uh, sideline. How's that game going to play, Johnny Mack? Uh, Well, I do think the Cowboys are are going to be in a position to where they could probably play uh, Cooper Rush or the kid they picked up from the Panthers, uh, Will Greer. Will Greer, Uh, yeah. Yeah. I do think they're going to win this division. They'll probably be ahead. Uh, They probably will be resting players. The Eagles are in that situation, maybe going for the Ole Miss kid. Um, Or or Jay Kaner of Fresno State. Or Jay Kaner. By the way, I looked him up. Yeah, he's he's a better prospect than I gave him credit for. So you're right about that. He was a he went to Washington. He transferred. So he was he was a big time recruit. So, yeah, there's a lot of – Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, et cetera, Keydon Slope, they have opened some doors with their play early in this season. But one thing we know about the NFL draft, Jody, guys are going to elevate. So whether it's the guys you brought up, Joe Burrow in the past, um, Zach Wilson, somebody's coming up from nowhere. And if the Eagles are that high in the draft, they're going to be looking at a quarterback, bottom line. They will have the potential to get a high pick of the Dolphins stink, and it depends on how long two is going to be. I know Jacoby Brissett played okay last You can't win with Jacoby Brissett in this league. Sorry about that. You're right. You said earlier there's no way the Colts are going to allow the Eagles to get a high pick if they stink. Carson Wentz is going to the bench. But the Eagles could actually have a pretty damn high pick there themselves. Yes. Yeah, week 18, Cooper Rush against Gardner Minshew. Go ahead and get your tickets on the open market now. You want to be in attendance yeah. for that and one. And by the way, Gardner's going to throw for three touchdowns, and everybody's going to say, he's the answer, Jody McDonald. It, it will give uh, the Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365 something to talk about other than the playoffs, which the Eagles won't be in come the uh, month of January. All right, uh, we got to get out of here. <laughs> We're over time. Uh, J-Mac, I will talk to you at the top of the show tomorrow, but May you test negative again oh, tomorrow. I uh, hope so. Uh, Jeff Big Carwin. COVID. Uh, I had to wash the COVID off me at uh, 2 in the morning Yeah, from Texas. Got, we'll, we'll try and have a COVID-like show for you tomorrow. Right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.